0: BNP Realm Podcast, Season 2. Once again, this is your host, Brian, and as always, thanks for joining me. Season 2, Episode 10. B is for being connected to nature, keeps me connected to humanity. And more thoughts on Clubhouse. I'm going to make this week's intro brief, for it's a reasonably juicy riverside rambler and there's not much need to add any bells and whistles on the front end here. Just remember, you can always find links to things I chat about in the show notes and ways to connect with me as well. I've added a bonus link to Brett Weinstein's reading of his poem, Loose the Seuss, because I found it delightful and thought-provoking, though it has absolutely no connection to this episode, but I may speak to that topic next week. We'll see. Okay, folks, thanks for listening. On with the show. I'm laying on the beach near the river near my house, or next to the river near my house. Just finished up my morning breathing and meditation. And as I was doing it, I was thinking about how comfortable earth's gravity is. And, you know, the idea of being grounded and grounding. And I've got my, uh, my shoes off here. So just the bottom of my feet are touching the earth, and my hands are touching the earth. And, uh, so last week, or two weeks ago, recently, um, I was Talking to my daughter about and my wife about uh, kind of joking around about how if they moved uh, basketball to the moon, I, I would be watching again. But I haven't watched a basketball game probably in a couple of years now. Um, and you know, I used to be a pretty big fan as a grown up and living in America. But um, and I was talking about gravity when i mentioned that and how when i was in high school my brother and i had this game on our nintendo and it was this baseball game and it had different stadiums and one of the stadiums was in like somewhere like some planet or outer space and uh the most fun thing you could do on that game was when you were playing defense when your friend hit, hit was hitting a home run, if you were in the outfield and you could time your jump just perfectly, you would go up like I don't know 100 feet or whatever, and like catch the ball, you know, make like a over the <laughs> over the stadium catch, and uh, it was great, but and fun. But my daughter and I, as we were talking about this, we found this app, or not app, as a website online uh, where you. Somebody had made up this thing where you can, uh, click on the various planetary bodies in our solar system, like, you know, Jupiter, Mars, whatever, and then, and then the moons, and you press, there's a little like stick figure, and you press your screen, and then the figure jumps as high as it would based on the gravity of that, of that planetary body. And, you know, we were, I, I showed her like Jupiter. I'm like, yeah, you're not going to get very far off that one. And, uh, you know, I was just kind of talking to her about it. We were playing with it. <laughs> and we, uh, we flipped to a moon. I believe it was a moon of Mars. But right now I'm wondering, I'm like, are there, does Mars have moons? But if it, if it wasn't Mars, it was Jupiter. But anyway, one of the moons. It must have been a pretty small one. And I don't remember which one it was. And we pressed the button and our character jumped. I think I had it, I think it was set on meters, but, um, it took like almost 10 minutes for him to finally come to a stop and it, and it was like 800 and something meters. It wasn't quite a kilometer. Um, and I'm relating this right now. Cause I'm thinking, you know, like it, when we were doing that, we were both getting impatient and like, but I told her, I'm like, until he stops, I'm not turning this app off. I want to see where this ends. And then she's like, Yeah, we're going to watch him go all the way down, too. I'm like, That's where I draw the line. Because, you know, it's like, we know he's going to go back to zero and it's going to take forever. Um, and then she started getting impatient, like, Oh, let's just turn this off. Like, this is taking forever. And, you know, um, and so, you know, here we are on Earth and being connected to this Earth. You know, we can jump a certain distance but the earth and the gravity of this earth will bring us back down. And the kind of topic I want to hit on here is about reconnecting to nature and how it helps me stay connected to humanity. Because... So I have to go into what happened yesterday. Um... And I just shared that meme on my Facebook today that reconnecting to nature makes me better able to stay connected to humanity. And I feel like that's a pretty, as I wrote in the comments, I feel that's a pretty big, for me, a 2020 this year insight. And by 2020, I mean not just the year, but like 2020 for me ends on March 21st when... Uh, spring, the new year of spring, because, well, for a lot of reasons, but, um, anyway, that's how I'm defining it. So, it's, uh, yesterday I was spending, my, my schedule yesterday, I didn't actually go outside until, well, I was, yeah, I, was, I didn't do my morning walk. I didn't sleep well the night before, and I got up for one of these community things at 5 a.m. Like I woke up at 2, so I had like four hours of sleep in me. Um, and then I did this community thing, and then I was doing some work until about noon or so. I'm doing work on this QAnon, conspirituality uh, a short story, novelette, whatever that I'm working on, and, uh, you know, I was watching some videos of um, this journalist who's covered both the left-wing protests in Portland and also the right-wing, you know, and he's gone to both, and he was interviewed by Brett Weinstein on his podcast four days after the storming of the Capitol. That was everything, four days after the storming of the Capitol. So I was watching that, and, uh, you know... Reading some of the Q and on Reddit threads that I've been reading, and, you know, digging into this whole thing. Oh, and then I found his podcast he had just released yesterday. It was like good timing. A chat with three, uh, three or four other uh, journalists, photojournalists, who also were there that day. And so I, I, so after I got to about noon, I like the fatigue was catching up with me, and I'm like, all right, time for my nap. And what I often do when I take little afternoon naps is I put on a podcast or a YouTube or something, and then I just fall asleep to the chattering, and um, I I find it easier to fall asleep to people talking, (laughs) and I think it does, I mentioned this in a recent blog post, and I think it goes back to being a kid in the back of a car with my dad, and he had some AM radio on, uh, falling asleep to it, because uh, AM radio was born in the 80s, (laughs) Paul Harvey, good day. There's a little reference to that era. Well, Paul wasn't. Anyway, he wasn't that bad. But uh, so anyway, this was like a two-hour podcast, and I slept the whole time. And actually, I ended up like as I was coming to, I get ended, and you know, I'm in and out throughout all this point of this is is that I got to the end of that and then I woke and I had my had some lunch and it was like 2:30, and I'm like all right I'll be able to go out on my bike ride I had some shopping to do around 3 and then I was like 2:57 when I got done with that and I just watched this uh, another video I can't remember which one it might have been one of the ones from the hill rising and I was pretty charged up just about and emotional just about the state of the Kind of cultural and political scene in the world, and also you know, and in the U.S. and how I feel that um, a lot of the reaction to the QAnon and the the Trump people, there's just a lot of disconnection from our media. You know, this media bubble that the um, elites and the you know the Washington elites and the the blue churches. I think that's Jordan Hall to find it, you know, the D.C., New York, Los Angeles, coastal elites connected to, you know, political power and kind of their, the disconnect in our culture. I mean, I'll just make it more even broader, like there's a disconnection between each other and so a lot of the reaction I see to people who got involved with QAnon and this and that, it's very head-based and it's very critical and judgmental and, you know... And the, the motivation for me writing this story is to write something that really gets into the, the connection and connecting to these characters and to share something into the world on the topic that helps people empathize with those who've been in that world. And uh, as I always do, I'm writing from my own experience, and so I'm using kind of the, the QAnon shaman and his you know he went into this world and like there was a psychedelic use and this connect this connection between the new age and the right wing and you know i've seen all this and this is another part of my 2020 experiences, seeing people that um you know just that i've followed and listened to and paid attention to and this blending of uh these worlds and the, the breaking down of the walls and such but um Boy, I did kind of here. Let me stop. For, I'm gonna pause. So, yeah. So yesterday afternoon. So I'm there at 2:57, and I'm like, I'm gonna check my Facebook feed for this post I put on this morning, where I'd, I, yeah, I'd watch this video from The Hill Rising about you know the day that Biden lost the left, and it was on three separate stories how. They've kind of backed down on the fight for the $15 minimum wage. They, you know, using this, I, Congress, we can't get it through Congresses, you know, this Congress, Congressional Senate parliamentarian, you know, we can't do it, we can't do it. We're victims of the system. And then meanwhile, you know, they bombed Syria without asking for congressional authorization. And so it's like, well, I guess in that case you can do it. Um, and then on the third, the third one was the, uh, how they're not going to do any sort of, at least um surface level for us as the public to see any sort of punishment or whatever for the Saudi crown prince who they'd done this investigation they just released that, you know, said he was behind the murder of this Washington Post journalist in 2018. And so how all three of these things like, you know, the left has been kind of, you know, giving Biden this, you know, honeymoon period and, and, you know, disagreeing about where to criticize him. But on that day, you had people from all over the left kind of uniting again and like, come on, you know. So anyway, I posted about that on my Facebook. So I checked and like some people pushed back a little bit. And then I, I, you know, I went to do this research and this work and took this long nap. And then I'm like, all right, I'm going to check and I'm not going to write anything. (laughs) And twenty minutes later, after writing one thing, then not sending it, then writing a couple other things and sending it, I was all kind of charged up, and I'm like, "Okay, Brian, you gotta go out, you gotta go shopping. you gotta do this before it gets dark, and you have to pick up your daughter. So I went out on my bike ride, and uh on the ride, um, okay, going sorry, on the ride, I, well, I'll just finish that sentence. I met this tree a uh, cherry blossom that was blooming. And, uh, earlier in the day, the other thing that I posted on Facebook was my blog post, which just got published, um, about my, my grieving over the loss of the trees around my area here, and also, um, moving through and, uh, Ending my addictions to alcohol and uh, yeah, my using alcohol and these prescription not prescription sorry over the counter cold medicines um, in an addictive, destructive, self-destructive way. And uh, that post got published, and in my response in the Facebook thread that I put on my page was talking about how you know nature speaking like i'm trying to write these posts where i really write a personal post and using how nature speaks to me through metaphors and then how can i share that experience for others that they can connect with and that might that might be helpful to them in their lives and that that's kind of what i'm trying to do with these kind of posts and i think i really succeeded with that one because uh, one of my friends said this is a beautiful honest authentic and brave post and i'm going to be pondering the questions you posted at the end and so um so now we're back to me at that tree and i get to this tree yesterday afternoon and i already by then this is about 10 15 minutes into my ride and i'm already feeling better i've used my phone to kind of talk out where i was at i stopped at one point took some deep breaths and i'm already starting like as i get to this tree i'm starting to feel more grounded and more just within myself and like being like oh i'm glad i'm out this is yeah this is a great idea why did i put this off but i really didn't i mean i you know this had been my plan from that morning because it was windy in the morning and the weather was going to get nicer by the afternoon so i was like all right i'm going to do this work and i'll take a nap and um But that putting the 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 twenty minutes of responding when I told myself I wasn't going to. That's more what I'm speaking to now. So then this tree. I'm looking at it and I took a picture and it's beautiful because the sky is blue behind it. And it's, you know, Japanese cherry blossom. And I'm like, you know, that's the first one I've seen that's bloomed this year, and it's, you know, it's early March. And usually here they bloom in the end of March, early April. And I'm like, Tree, why are you why are you coming out so early? And the metaphor I took for my own life was like my frustration sometimes with the way things change too slowly is because I am a person who kind of lives in a sense, in just one sense. I'm kind of a visionary. I do live one step ahead and I'm kind of like this tree and meanwhile, the other trees, although there weren't any around this one, but um the other cherry blossom trees, and I found one about 10 minutes down the road, totally bereft of flowers, still in its winter mode. So the other trees are still hanging back. They're like, well, you know, it's not spring yet. We don't need to come out. We're still enjoying winter. And so I kind of took this metaphor as like, you know, my how I can get impatient with humanity and with friends because I do have this sort of um, sense of things and where things can be going and, you know, I'm not always right, as I I think I spoke to last week or in the, yeah, in last week's podcast. (laughs) I'm confused because I put it out a few days ago, but yeah, the one that'll come out, that came out, or that came out episode nine, the one on 2020. That my predictions, I get intuitions and they're, you know, some are right, some are wrong, but um I do sense that, and I've, just to speak to the politics, like, one of the reasons I moved to Japan and stayed here all this time is that I felt the kind of trauma, the hardness, the difficulty of living in a country that was, you know, this empire that was kind of a a failed state empire. That's right. That's the video I watched right before. It was Kim Iverson, I believe. I think I watched that before. Yeah, folks. Sorry, time can get confusing sometimes. (laughs) But I think I might have watched that later in the day. Yeah, Kim Iverson did a video about how... The narrative about the extremist movements, domestic extremist movements misses this context of we're living in a failed state or a failing state. And, you know, you can agree or disagree with that, but I had this sense back in the nineties and by that the U.S. was kind of, you know, was going through the stage at a lot of that a lot of I think we most empires go through and anyway so when I came to Japan I hadn't did not expect that we'd stay here or I would stay here this long and again last year at this time I was planning to come back to the U.S. and spend four months there and perhaps that would lead me to some sort of work there and I might be moving there this year you know who knew but then I never actually got back there. And so here I am still. And I'm going to be beginning two jobs here that will keep me at least here through spring of 2022. So, and I kind of have this intuition now with, um, to stay grounded, to stay here in Japan. And, uh, heh, it's nice how it feeds back on appreciating that and, you know, being thankful that I have somewhere like, that I can be grounded on. And, you know, on a more bigger level, being thankful for this planet we live on, this earth that does ground us, and being able to come out and reconnect to it. And when I do that, when I do that, then I am better able to feel connected to humanity, because we humans are also of this earth. We're, we're you know, we are nature. We're not... Not nature. Now, who knows? Maybe, well, even if we did, I was going to say, that who knows, that might change for some of us if we become merged with our machines. But even if we did that, those that species would still have come out of nature. There is no, no not nature. Um, Alan Watts, my favorite philosopher, Alan Watts, at least of the people who are no longer with us, Um, one of his speeches I remember hearing from, this is way back when I heard it, was about, you know, how skyscrapers are to humans what, uh, beehives are to bees or something. And, you know, basically speaking to this concept that, you know, we, we, we make this false division that like cities and these things are not natural, but we are of nature. So the things we build are natural and, you know, so what is The concept of artificial itself might be artificial. Um, And about five minutes ago, as I was talking, I had a smooth transition in my mind about chatting about the app Clubhouse because this morning, (coughs) excuse me, this morning I was in the Rebel Wisdom, uh, one of their weekly sense making uh, Zoom calls for the community. And the topic was clubhouse. And I know I've spoken about this in one of the podcasts recently, a couple podcasts back. And uh, yeah, there was a smoother transition to get here five minutes ago, but that transition has flown down this river that I'm sitting next to or laying next to. Uh, But So clubhouse, let me talk about it for a little bit. And some of the things I heard. So it was interesting because in the group it was an hour long. Usually they're 90 minutes, but what they did was they did an hour long, and it was mostly the founder, one of the co-founders of Rebelism, David Fuller, talking, and then he had a woman named Melissa Tall, I believe Tall, T-A-L, um, who is in the community and had actually encouraged David and Alexander, the other co-founder, to join Clubhouse, but. And so she talked for 15, 20 minutes. But what happened was there, because Clubhouse, you have to have an iPhone or I think an iPad. I'm not sure. That's so some. I'm not sure, but anyway, if you have an iPhone, you can join. But uh, Android, it's not available on, which is really strange to me. But anyway, that's how it is. And so after that hour went up, the after hours was. A group of about 10 people and uh, i stayed around for that well meanwhile i had in my ear i had the oh sorry rebel wisdom then did a clubhouse talk no room and that david and alexander hosted and so they went there and then meanwhile in the rebelism community was about 10 people and I stayed for that, and in the meantime, I had in my ear for just a little bit. I was having the clubhouse talk, but then I was like, I couldn't do both, and I'd rather kind of hang out with the community. So I, I spoke second, and because I wanted to f- talk about my experiences on clubhouse, and I asked everyone, has anybody here been in clubhouse? And nobody had, so I was kind of the, the lone, the, I, kind of, I was the lone person in there who had you know, the experience of it, so I spoke to that, and um we were talking about kind of the idea that, you know, Clubhouse sees itself, and David was mentioning this, sees itself as kind of the Silicon Valley people and the people behind it see itself as kind of at war with the traditional media, and, you know, the New York Times and it are having this kind of battle, and, you know, and it's kind of this old... Just this idea of like we're gonna win, you're gonna lose, you know this old model of com- competition, you know, and um, and so in the group in the Zoom chat we were talking about that amongst a lot of other things, but how there's this gatekeeper aspect to you know, and in Clubhouse they they criticize and I've been critical too of like the New York Times and like the gatekeeping that the traditional media does. And yet with Clubhouse, like I just mentioned, one of the gatekeeping, if you don't have an iPhone, you can't join. Uh, the second, probably biggest gatekeeping is if you don't have an invitation, you can't join. Um, and so, and then once you're in there, though, you can enter into these rooms. That's no problem, but there's been some issues with uh, and Brett Weinstein on his recent podcast talked about this. Uh, being in a room where they, someone had mentioned, like, oh, there's no people of color on the stage here. Cause they, in Clubhouse, I think I, I'll go over it real quick. They have these rooms and there's a moderator or moderators and there's a stage and the moderators can control who comes up onto the stage. And then there's the audience, and I've only been in the audience. And when you're in the audience, you can't talk. You just listen. Um, but one of the things about Clubhouse is that like, once you're on the stage, then you have the power to kick other people off the stage. And apparently, Brett Weinstein was in this room where someone said, oh, there's no people of color up here on the stage. We should get one of their opinions. And they came up, and they invited someone on there. And then that person started kicking off everybody on the stage and inviting up only people of color. And, it, you know, so in the zoom chat we were talking about and I just think they need to get rid of the kicking out thing. You know, I think if someone invites someone on the stage, um, I believe maybe the way they should do it is the moderators have control over muting that person and maybe just, or just leave the control to the moderators alone, you know, but like once if you invite someone on the stage and they then have the power to like take it as they were describing, like a coup, you know, like, um, invite all their friends and kick everybody off. It, you know, destroys the community. And one thing in our rebel wisdom community that we all really appreciate is that we can all disagree with each other without even knowing we're disagreeing because we do it in such a way that it's like we feel heard and it's like we're, we're, pra- we're in there to practice kind of this collective group sense making and behaviors and dynamics and so the community has attracted a certain kind of person so I can't imagine you know at a zoom call I don't think there's any power for the host to even the host can mute people but they can't kick someone out of a call you know but Anyway, it's, it's interesting to watch the dynamics of it. And I was in a room once and I, I didn't get around to sharing this, but I'll share it now. I was in a room once where a man was talking and then suddenly someone kicked him off the stage. And then the other people were like, Hey, we can't do that. We were listening to him and let's not do that. And then someone, one of the other people on the stage invited them back up and said, you have the mic now. And then I think they, the person who kicked him off, may have been muted. I don't remember how it all worked out, but, um, so it's just an interesting little kind of detail of the dynamics of the way the place works. But there was this talk about, you know, and I, I, when I taught, shared my experience of it, I was saying, you know, the whole idea of gatekeepers and such, like everything, every community, everything has gatekeepers, you know? Um, and you know even the tu- even the name of the place clubhouse like well in a clubhouse there's only so much room and you're either in the clubhouse or you're out of the clubhouse you're on the stage or you're out of the stage like this is just kind of one of these things we have to work out and um you know i think they even have issues where and they were talking about this where like some of these people have millions of like Eric Weinstein has like 2 million followers. So as soon as Eric joins a room, all of a sudden that room will explode with, you know, people entering the room. And I know like for me, the very first room I went into was a room that I think I saw either him or his brother was in. And no, anyway, I think I just might've checked it out, but it was about New York times versus rational discourse or something. I'm like, oh, I'll listen to that. And, then, like, it was really good, and then the next day I saw, like, my notification came up, and it's like, if you follow people, when they enter a room, you'll get a notification. And it was like, the notification came up, Eric signs in a room. I'm like, oh, let's check it. It was the same discussion. They'd been having it for, like, 48 hours. Um, But apparently the founders, when they created the site, like, they automatically, I think, may had people follow people like Eric. I'm not sure if that was automatic or... Or was recommended and you had to uncheck it. I don't remember when I joined um I don't think it was that way when I joined a few like a three weeks ago. But I did follow him and there's been some like I think there's a limit to the number of people that can join rooms. Like the room has a limit and maybe they fixed that. But I know when Bill Gates came on last week there was like some overflow rooms and um Anyway, it's just all these issues of boundaries, you know, coming back again to that. And like, how do we have these spaces? I mean, when you have seven billion people on a planet, even though these virtual spaces have, you know, they, in, in theory, they're limitless, like, they're not. They're still based on the limits of that technology, you know? Uh, and one more thing I'll say that I learned, I didn't know this, but Melissa was sharing this, like with Clubhouse, apparently they've created the, the technology has regulated the way the voice, um, it kind of cuts out the high and the low end, so the voice will sound more appealing to people that listen, and then therefore they'll be more better at listening to the voice, which I found that really interesting, but it's also like, I shared in the chat that it's also a little bit, you know, it's disturbing because yesterday it's some well, somebody mentioned this that, you know, technology's ability to manipulate um, our senses. And I said, yeah, like just yesterday I watched this TikTok video that was in the news about it was a deep fake of Tom Cruise. Like these, this guy's made these deep fakes. And I showed it to Shinobu right before my wife, before she went to work. And Like, after about 10 seconds, I was like, do you think this is real? And she's like, oh, this is, oh, yeah, this head's moving just a little bit. It's fake? And I was like, yeah, but she's like, wow, it's pretty, you know. it's... If she didn't know that, have that question in her mind, is this real? I think if I just, the reason I even said it to her was like, if I just showed her the video, she would have been like, well, why are you showing me this? Because she had to get to work, you know. (laughs) But... I wanted to just share with her, like, this is a deep fake and have her at least have 10 seconds of watching it with that consciousness in mind, like, this is not real. And, um, but, you know, the technologies that we have now, the ability they to manipulate our senses and therefore, you know, getting back to being grounded and being on the earth, like, I know from that experience yesterday where I'm inside all day and I'm on my computer and I'm consuming video, YouTube videos and podcasts and then doing some writing, taking some notes. And I'm not at all connected to nature really at that point because I'm indoors. I did open my window, but, <clears throat> you know, um, and the because of the nature of the content I was uh, consuming, and how it has these, some emotional triggers for me. And then I go onto Facebook, which is very, um, well, it's text-based, and it's asynchronous. Like, we can post something, and then the other person that reads it might read it 10 hours from now, right that moment. I might not read their response. I'm not in the room with them. So it's very easy to be kind of disconnected from each other on this app, this technology that is connecting us. And uh I was thinking, you know, just the other day about how it makes sense that the first social media app that really kind of became huge, I mean, I guess you could say Twitter too, but Facebook and Twitter were these text-based apps because in a way text is very connected to the ego you know and the the mind and you know there there is a disconnected aspect to it like we're it's not a very embodied way of communication and i've talked with some of my writer friends about this some of us who are interested in these you know concepts and you know how do we bring that embodiment back through the written word And so with Clubhouse, I'd had this, you know, if I was a, well, okay, so summer 2019, I had this sort of intuition about, you know, I'm friends with these people for online, but I've never actually heard their voice. Someone had sent me a voice message on the Facebook Messenger app, and I'm like, oh, that is really cool to hear someone's voice. And I feel them I, as a human being more than I do just by text. And so I started using the voice app, you know, these messages. And I start I got, like, there was a couple months where I got really crazy about sending them to people because I was like, this is so great. And I, I just had this intuition about when we have the ability, a social media that's a voice sharing, it's one step deeper into using this technology that will connect us maybe on a more human level, um, And so that's the upside. So now, so then all of a sudden here we are, and you know, Clubhouse came out a year ago. I think it started in 2020 in the spring. In like 2021, now it's kind of reaching this, like it jumped from 100,000 users to like a million users in a matter of weeks, and you know, um, which is still very small compared to like Facebook, which has got what, 2 billion people or whatever. Um, but it's in the, it's in the real, it's in the passive, beginning stages, and so it's interesting how, and there's a case of where I feel like my intuition of just my own lived experience and kind of all of a sudden this intuition comes to me, like, oh yeah, voice, social media, and then here it is, so, but just playing with this, toy to this idea right now, like, we remaining connected to our organic self and that means not just our bodies but the earth <laughs> i'll just share something funny a minute ago i went down to take a leak into the river and i and i farted and it was not a very it was a not a very nice smelling fart and i thought yeah brian your diet in the last few days hasn't been so great so that's why you know and that that's being that's where i'm you know using my senses to be like what you know connect with my body like wow the smell of my my waist is not so good. So I must not be putting the right products into my body. Um, and that works also with our media, you know, media is like a, uh, another it's through, it's like a head product, but now here we are moving into this realm of, um, voice. And I'm think I'm getting near the end here. Um, I mean, I know I'm winding down. Yeah. 36 minutes. Um, I'll just share something at the very end. I, uh, I read this book a few years ago by the sci-fi writer Werner Vinge or Vinge, I'm not sure V I N G E and it was set in the year like 2029 and in that world um people were able to go into these like like with avatars like these virtual rooms where they were embodied in a way but you know they were coming from all over the world but they were also able to go into like actual real physical space in this way. And, uh, well, it just, I'm just closing with that. Cause that, you know, he had projected this for 2029 and, you know, that does, you know, I guess we're into voice. So I, I almost share this on the, in the zoom call, like, cause we talk, we refer to the, our zoom calls as a digital campfire. And, I almost shared this, like, I've made this joke many times, like, would somebody invent the teleporter already, you know, but we're kind of doing that now, but we're just not doing, our bodies aren't able to teleport, but I wanted to share that just because it'd be like, it'd be nice if the 10 of us could meet on this beach right here and uh, hang out and also be connected to the earth, Um, but yeah. Because, you know, we're in these rooms and I often get that kind of where my mind gets a little bit charged up. And so after I get to the end of these calls, I'm like, all right, it's time to get out and do my grounding and connecting to nature. Um, because that's how I'm trying to stay human. And stay. And to me, staying human means staying of this earth. And that's just for me. I mean, there might be others of you that have goals of moving off the earth but you know like i said at the start of this laying on the earth here our human bodies have evolved with this earth and so the gravity (laughs) setting of this planet is comforting it's comforting you know Like, we're able to jump a little bit and get off it, but then we're not going to jump and keep going for 10 minutes like that moon planet my daughter and I experienced. And we're able to lay in it, and it's, uh, yeah, it feels like it's comforting. Okay, that was a good little chat. hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you on the other side of another week.